BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to another Britfits.com podcast. And today we're doing five great British horror films. And today's guest is Math Lewis. Hello, Math. Hello, Stuart. How are you today? I'm very well. I'm very well. Don't be fooled by his accent. He's all the way over in LA, listener. Um, <laughs> and Math is uh, one part of I Speak Machine, which is who are signed to Lex Records. Do you want to give us a brief insight into who I Speak Machine is or what I Speak yeah. Machine is? <clears throat> yeah, indeed. It's me and, and Tara Bush. Mm-hmm. And um, she is a uh, composer, musician, writer, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a filmmaker. And right. we do stuff together. So uh, I, uh, I write and uh, direct and produce films, short films usually in the horror sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. And um, she scores them and we perform them live. So, you know, come to the theater, et cetera. And there's a live uh, analog synth performance of her twiddling around while the horror moves, movies are, are playing. So it's a lot of fun. We normally do like three or four different ones in a, in a session. What a lovely idea. Yeah, it's fun. It's great fun. Now, uh, as, as I was saying to you in the preamble, you're the first person when they're trying to boil their list down has shared with me the extended list, which I find bizarre because I've, I've got a few queued up now and I've got ten done already of the five <laughs> short films. But yours is the first one. So let's just, before we get into the five, yeah. let's, let's, the two, the two <clears> stragglers <throat> that we've just, we've just cut away from your, uh, your potential thing. So we've got we've got Don't Look Now from 1973, and we've got Kill List from 2001. So just just very briefly, what 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 do uh, what because they're very different films, and obviously very yeah, different film <clears throat> I, I I loved. I mean, I loved Kill List um, because it was such a 
it felt it felt like a really classic 70s horror and um it was just really creepy and i loved um i loved all the 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 uh the, the, the that little group of actors that um i do you know i i'm forgetting the core people there but you'll probably remember them all. The, Michael, the Michael, Michael, Michael Smiley and... Uh, That's it. Michael Smiley, of course. And, and Neil Maskell. Wonderful. And Neil Maskell, who probably That's made his right. name in Football Factory at that point. Yes, absolutely. And went on to do and Utopia. Think, it, it, it gave me... Yeah, that's right, absolutely. Um, which was... Uh, um, Again, Utopia was fantastic, and an amazing score by Christo um, for that as well. Mm. For anyone that hasn't seen Utopia, just... Uh, please watch that and go and buy the score. It's incredible. <laughs> um, really is. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I, that that was really great because it, it was very nostalgic for me because it really felt like that classic kind of seventies creepy. Did you weird like the third kind of act? Horror. Uh, I, I do. You know what I did, and I know a lot of pro- people have problems with um, uh, that. Uh, you know, with certainly with horror films, there's a lot of there's a lot of first half, second half that goes on for me. There's a lot of horror films I absolutely adore the first half half, and it just loses it in the end. Mm. Um, I, I I didn't have a problem with this. Do, do, do people in general with Kill List? I've interviewed Andy Stark for the podcast, and he he said right. we've started to refer to those people as third act deniers. <laughs> Because basically they That's said... That's really funny. Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest with you, it was news to me because I had no fucking idea. I, I loved right. everything about it right yeah. right, to the, right to the change where you go, fuck, we're in a horror film. And yeah. and then when you look at the film, and you because I've, I've been a geek, I've sort of took it apart and put it back together again. The film's got absolute symmetry. The hammer scene is the middle point of the film and the jousting in the garden and the sacrifice at the end... They're, yes, they're, they're, they're bookend the film, and it's just—it's beautiful. I don't see how people, in hindsight, maybe at the time you can react to it, but if you go back and look at it, you go, "No, it perf- makes perfect sense." But you know, yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely. I haven't watched it for a while, and I need to. Mm. Um, and uh, but I just remember coming out of the cinema and being absolutely freaking blown away by it, and just being. Like and and I, the, the, often when I certainly when I see modern horror films, uh, modern films of any kind, um, I, I tend to judge how great they are by how jealous I am that I didn't write it or direct it. <laughs> and I came with that, out of that movie going, "God damn you!" No, you know, I, I've, I, said, that's, I've said it that's before. the movie I wanted to make. I've said it before on this podcast. I I, I saw it at Fright Fest and I was just like, "Well, that's lifted the fucking bar, hasn't it?" Yeah. From, well, from like, yeah, you know, exactly. what I was fanning about with on screenplays and stuff, I'm like, well, that's done it, hasn't it? Okay, you know, they've they've done Ken Loach becomes the Wicked. Yes. Man, you know, and exactly. so I'm like, that's off to that. So very quickly, you've also uh, knocked off the list Don't Look Now, which is... Yeah, um, which I... Which is iconically which I, one of the number one, number two in lists of British horror films, horror films. Yeah, I mean, it's just an incredible movie and probably one of the greatest movies... Um, uh, you know, horror movies in Britain mm. ever made, or psychological thrillers, whatever you'd like to call it. I think mm. it's horror, isn't it? It is. Um, and um, I, I remember seeing that as a kid and being so frightened by it. Just absolutely, to me at that time, it was probably the <clears throat> the British equivalent of The Exorcist, where I was absolutely paralysed with fear. That fucking dwarf. Mm. I mean... Christ, I, I just, it was, 
it, it was impossible not to watch it. And I watched it, it, it at home, you know, one of those, I don't know, it, we're, you know, like I must have been like 12 or something or 10 or something like that. And my parents were out and my brother was off with his girlfriend or something or around his friend's house. And I was stuck in the house watching something and some film came on. And I think I remembered Do- Donald Suth- who Donald Sutherland was and thought, oh, I'll watch this. Not even knowing it was a horror movie, <laughs> really? just literally just was pinned to the pinned to the seat and you know frightened to death. I mean, genuinely, just real, real hardcore fear that I'd not felt before. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful movie. And of course, it's just so iconic. And the, the funny thing was about that is that I previously discovered. And this is a really odd sort of uh, juxtaposition here, but I I'd previously discovered the Red Balloon, that short um, French movie about the little boy that yeah. uh, uh, befriends a balloon. Yeah. And for some reason in my mind, because it was the red like coat thing, and it was mm. a kid, I I kind of had that kind of parallel in my mind that the film was going to be a bit like that. <laughs> so how wrong? Quite, how wrong you were, Matt? How wrong you were? I. I that's one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. Right, now, so. you've, had, now you've had the luxury of, of, of sneaking in two go. extras in your five Great British Horrors. Let's, All right. let's start with your five Great British Horrors. And I'm going to do you in date order, so follow me when I announce which one is, because I've, I've written down the dates and stuff. So, All right, that's really interesting, because I was going to suggest that. Um, but you might, you might have the right dates, so I've just gone in the, the dates I've seen them. Well, there <laughs> so is, you well, carry there on. Is, there is, it was reasonably easy, so... Um, so we'll we'll start off with uh, Poggle's Wood, which that's new to me. So go on, tell right. us. Tell <clears> us about no, that's from nineteen sixty five to sixty eight. So yeah, people, it isn't just a it, movie. I, it's Poggle's Wood is a um, a stop animation series from the nineteen sixties, hmm. which was still pretty prevalently showed in the early nineteen seventies on TV. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I was frightened by anything. Um, there's a very, very famous character um, of the witch in Pogel's Wood, which is also called, I believe, has been called the Hag of Night. Oh, wow. And it was, <laughs> so this is an old black and white stop motion animation and about a little family of Pogels, which were kind of like, I don't know, just little people. <clears throat> woodland people that lived in the woods and there would be a witch that would come and visit them and I think there was a f- two episodes that starred the witch hmm. and in this one episode um, she turns into a boot and smashes down the door of Pogel's house um, to try and capture Pogel and honestly it was so frightening and then but I loved the show so much and I had a you know, remember they used to do Christmas annuals of, you know, Blue Peter and whatever yeah, yeah, and all yeah, those yeah, kind yeah, of British yeah. shows. Yeah. Well, there was a Christmas annual of Pogel's Wood, which I got for Christmas. And in it was a double page spread of The Hag of Night, right. which was just this kind of look kind of like a raven, like a humanist, human, humanesque raven. Actually, really horrible, to be honest, but a stop motion one which made it extra creepy. And it was the model. There was a picture of the model on a double page spread in it. And I was so frightened I couldn't turn over the pages to look at it. And, of course, my brother, being an older brother, um, 
used to hide it in places so that I'd open a, you know, a kitchen cabinet door and, and that, that page would be open or he'd hide it under the pillow of my bed mm. and that kind of stuff. So that whenever I went somewhere, he'd say, cause you know, I was so frightened of it. But honestly, I was, I, I think that was the first time I was frightened by, by media. If what, that is, makes what, sense. Is what is it about sort of this, 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 this sort of <clears throat> post-war children's entertainment? Because, I mean, the guys behind this, Peter Furman and Oliver Postman, yeah. did yeah. Ivor the Engine, Bagpuss, Clangers, you know, all pretty, all actually, in, when you look at it next to today's children's TV, were all quite whacked out weird as well anyway. In, oh, a, a, absolutely they were. Um, I, I mean, I love, I mean, all those things that you, you mentioned, I think it's just incredible pieces of um, British art. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, the clangers, I, I absolutely adore the, it's very, very cute, mm. but there are some incredible episodes of the clangers. The, 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 I think the most famous one is the, is the, 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 the 1968, um, eight, is it eight or nine? God, I can't remember. It's 1969 moon landing. Mm. Is it 1969 moon landing? It is, isn't it? I think so. Um, yeah. where, I'm going to say yeah for the purposes of this podcast. <laughs> let's, let's just go with it. Um, and they, they did a, uh, the humans landing on the moon where the clangers lived. And they had, it, it was before the moon landing and they didn't know whether the Russians or the Americans were going to, were going to get to the moon first. So they actually made it with a, a Russian American flag. Hmm. I think it was like stars and stripes with a hammer and sickle on it. And so, so that it could have been anyone. And I think it ended up being a, thinking that they were delivering a tablecloth to the clangers as a present. Just an absolutely amazing But what do you think it was about, art. like, this kind of children's entertainment that that they thought, like, Poggle, if, if Pogglesworth scare is the first thing that scared you, yeah. the reverse of that is what was Peter and Oliver thinking as far as entertaining kids? I don't know. I mean, I think possibly, um, I mean, I... I, I I, I mean, I, I get into trouble with this because I encourage people. For some reason, people ask me. I mean, I, we don't have kids, mm. and um, people ask me, "Should I? Should I um, let my uh, a kid um, watch this this movie? They're eight. Should I let them watch this horror movie?" And mm. I'm, I, my my default answer is, "Yeah, of course you should. It's great. <laughs> it's an amazing." And I, of course, I've, I'm, I, you know, I, then I qualify this with, "Don't ask me. I'm an idiot." And you should never ask me about whether you should let your kid watch a horror movie because my answer is always yes because my one of my you know my some of my life's favorite experiences of being scared to death by horror movies um and uh, at a young age and my you know the, the, the there's Ed de Bron, so you have to stop you there so, <laughs> so we'll cancel we'll come on now stop <laughs> Right. Um, I, I, told so, you, I told you he'd warn us. <laughs> so there you go. So, I mean, I, I just think that there are, um, uh, you know, being frightened as a kid is just brilliant. And, no, I, no, I, and, no. I spent, and I spent the last 40 years trying to recreate being frightened as much as that. And it I just I, I totally never quite get there. I totally agree with you. <laughs> um, my, my, I, I, if I could recapture... 11 years old and the moment when Jason comes out of the lake. Yeah. As a, as oh, a my viewer. God. Absolutely. I, I, but obviously I can't because 
I'm, no, I'm an it's old man. really, really tough. I know, it's really, really tough. Well, look, let's, um, uh, let's, you know. let's jump to 1968 sure. and straddle 2010, which will make sense when I give the title, which is Whistle and I Will Come to You. Ah, right. The uh, M.R. James uh, adaptation for the TV screen, <clears throat> which is, uh, let's focus on the, on, the, on the original one first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean it's a... Uh, it, it's an it's an astonishing piece, and there's. I, I think I, I think with a lot of horror esque. Um, I mean, this is this is kind of ghost, and ghost is always quite scary for me, um, mm. especially being a um, a fairly outspoken atheist who doesn't believe in ghosts in any way, shape, or form, mm. or elves or gnomes or anything else. Well, I believe in gnomes. So. I don't believe in the good ones. But you know it's, what I mean. it's, I'm quite willing to accept <laughs> that if there's anything, they'll be bad. When somebody wants but, to tell me this thing's for good, I'm not having it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Which is as warped so, as anything. But anyway, go so on. So I, I, I am kind of scared by ghosts, mm. and I love being scared by ghosts. Um, so uh, this, this, again, was an early, um, you know, maybe Sunday evening or late night, something where my parents were out, and I ended up watching something I didn't know what it was and um, on TV. And... Um, that there's a scene in it where the it's basically just a white sheet on a beach flapping, hmm. but it was so beautifully done uh, where, um, where the main character is um, uh, professor parking. I think his name is mm-hmm. um, who's this kind of uh, sort of uh, academic guy who, who completely refuses to believe in the supernatural and um, I think he finds, I think in this version, he finds a ring. Um, and uh, I can't remember, was it a ring or was it a, a whistle in this one? I can't, honestly, I can't it remember. Was, it was a whistle. The, the it the was t- in the first one, the cl- right. The clue I, to the title. I know, I know, but there's, I think the second version with John Hurt had a ring. Yeah, I might yeah, be yeah. wrong. I don't know. I get confused between the two because they're both wonderful. Well, he literally, but, um, he literally, when he's digging through the soil or something, or the that's right, he stuff, finds the actual whistle, doesn't he? And he, and he, he? That's blows, right, yeah. he blows it, and then, then we all go, it all goes into <laughs> yeah. not, not normal land. As, as you said, the clue's in the title. Mm. Um, and I, I should have probably rewatched these before. No, you're all right. No, I like, been like, I like, I like it's playing been like, on memory. I like playing on it's memory. It's been about 20 years since I've seen this. Um, but I, I do love it because it's, um, I, think it's, I think it's an hour is it or 45 minutes? I can't, can't quite remember, but it's not, it's not a film. No, it's no, it's a, 45 you know, minutes. It's a bit, I mean, this is, this, is, this plays yeah. into something you said earlier, actually. I think with M.R. James stuff, and this isn't a rule of thumb, but they tend to be very much first, first act stories. I.e., yes. Here's a problem, yeah. the end. Whereas, yes. like you say, one of the problems with a lot of horror films is they give you a problem and you're like, I'm fucking invested in this. And then they go, yeah. here's the resolution. You go, what a crock of shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's it, it, so many modern horror films I've seen, and there've been very few that have been great recently. Have been this, you know, they're just two parts, and the first half this amazing setup, this creepy, and and then as soon as you see the monster and blah blah blah, you just it's just like oh whatever. Um, so I, it's 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 odd, but th- this this works really well. Um, I remember that it was the white sheet that got me, mm. really frightened me. And this bumbling old guy that completely um, uh, dismissed the possibility, even though it was right in front of his face, which, of course, is what I would do. 
Um, and um, it was really beautiful. It was beautifully filmed. Um, it was beautifully acted. And, and I, also, I loved the remake with John Hurt. Um, what do you think the remake John... brought that wasn't that, that maybe what, that, that wasn't in the original for you? Well, it's. I mean, first of all, it's. I, 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 I mean, I think that it's. I think the. I think probably if I went back and saw the original, it'd be incredibly slow, um, which isn't necessarily an issue. But um, I, I thought that the remake. First of all, it's John Hurt, mm. so I, I'd watch. You know. John Hurt taking a shit because he's just amazing. Mm. Um, so uh, he's just fantastic. Um, secondly, th- what it did, I thought there was a there was a, um, a, a a slow creepiness to the remake that I thought was worked really really well. And then there's a particular scene where some hands come under a door while he's in bed, mm. and it's so creepy. Um, and it's one of those things. Oh, you've run out of time. You've run out of time. <laughs> right, I'll finish the sentence. Go on. It's one of those. It's one of those things where when you watch something that you know, two hours later you're in bed with a door, in, you know, looking at a door, and you just you see some light under the door, and you're just like, ah, oh, shit. You know, you you just assume that those same hands are going to come through your own door. So I I just I just love that no, um, no. particular scene in that. Right now, you're going to take us a little bit off, off a, a little, go down a little peculiar alley for your next choice, which is uh, 1973s. Now, there's a couple of titles. The one you gave me was Dark and Lonely Water, but there's also, I think there's a fuller title, The Spirit of yes. Dark and Lonely Water as well, which, which, when I then add, this is a public information film, take it away, Math. What's going on? Why is this a horror film? Well, I think I think everyone of a certain age in Britain uh, will remember all the ridiculously crazy public information films um, that we used to watch. And they were really meant to scare people. I mean, there's the famous one with the um, the football going into the uh, um, power station. Mm. And I think Jimmy getting uh, electrocuted. And there's the one about the railway tracks, which is really long. Um, and it's like a sports day, people running across the railway tracks and getting all these kids getting killed. And there's loads of these, just, uh, it's, it's just incredible ones. And, and, um, and, and, and good production values as well, aren't they? They're not... Yeah, they're short films. I mean, yeah. they're, short, they're basically short horror films. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. There's no argument there. Um, Dark and Lonely Water is particularly creepy because it, it stars, and I'll say stars, this creepy monk um, who is standing over kids or, you know, behind or around kids while they're playing in water. Yeah, it's like, and, it's like as if half of Sunno has, has manifested. Oh, really, really creepy. Mm. And there's this really creepy voiceover um, from this uh, this kind of creepy monk. Um, which is Donald Pleasant. Kids. Which is Donald Oh, is Pleasant. it? I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it is properly, it is properly so, apt. <laughs> So there you go. I mean, it's got it genuinely has got horror horror movie quality to it because it's, I mean, Jesus Christ, you couldn't get any would creep. I love the, I love the idea. This is the same year he was in Waking Fry. So it, oh. on one hand, he's off to Australia to do this bonkers yeah. film with uh, Ted Kotcheff, <clears throat> and then he's yeah. in England. He's doing voiceover work for uh, avant garde um, public information films, which are really just oh. short horror films. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 he amazing. Has a great it's just... li- he has a great line in it where he says, "Sensible children, I have no power over them," which is kind. Of... 
It's so creepy. It's really, really creepy. And oh, yeah, it's you reminded a, me of it. Yeah, it's a series, just a series of kids dying in lakes. And uh, I mean, some of them are quite entertaining because they're, they're, they're falling in. There's one where I think they literally a kid falls into a puddle. Mm. Um, but but um, they're falling, you know, in quarries and lakes and streams and whatever. And um, this is one I watched a couple of days ago just because so, <clears> I, I genuinely was fascinated once I realized it's public information. And there's a kid hanging off a branch over That's a lake. Right. And he's yeah. and, and Donald Pleasance is sort of and a paraphrase. It's sort of, and I particularly like the show-offs. Because, That's right. Because yes. That branch. Yes. That branch is. That's weak. fantastic. That branch is and old. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what, it's so what's dark. This? It is. <clears throat> the, the actual when when the kids come along and dissolve his power and these these rogues just fall to nothing. Yes. When it does finish kid. like that, they, 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 the sensible kids come along and um, I think some, at the end somebody picks up, um, I think somebody's fallen into the lake and then somebody's, a bunch of kids have come to rescue them. Yeah, they, they, they and, quick, get, quick, get a long pole. And that's when the line, sensible children, I have no power over them. And then there's a poor, it, kid, yeah. poor kid in his wife front soaking wet. And one of the kids is saying, well, that's not a right it's, place to swim, is it? <laughs> is he uh, his wife hunt? Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> Why fun. is he swimming in his wife hunt? That's so British. But all that, well, there's a beautiful, like, apocalyptic <laughs> shot. I don't know if you remember where it pans across a kind of sandy, <clears throat> sandy bank. And it's just like yeah. washing machines, old cars, bits of, bits of building works, lots of just metal stuff saying, yes, all this can be hidden underwater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was, and, and, and I think our, our, our parents got their kind of uh, warnings from these films because I remember going to local quarries in, in Cardiff and around that area, one called Cosmeston, which everyone warned, don't jump off the bridge. There's, I think there was famously, you know, and I'm doing quotes here, um, a, a, a crane left at the bottom. And if you jumped in a certain way, you'd hit the crane and die and so forth. So it could be true. I got no idea, but I, I assume it's bullshit. <laughs> but it is. The, but they are amazing. They are amazing pieces of work now. Because oh, they're beautiful. Because there's no words, you know, on screen or anything like that. I mean, I suppose there's the. Oh, we're out of time. <laughs> right then, I think. I think what a time next, for that short film. The the uh, yeah, we did more time than the film lasts. Um, <laughs> it's true. Um, now the next film we're doing is interesting because. When we spoke, when we did the preamble beforehand, you mentioned how you really wanted to talk about The Exorcist. Now, you've kind of gone for like the the Exorcist light because obviously it's a film. That we, the film <laughs> oh that was, wow! The film that was That's well, well the, as in as in it was the film where everyone went, "We need a film like The Exorcist." Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then that's true. That's all I mean. I mean, I love The Omen. Which is what I'm talking yeah. about. But that's it's it's in all <clears throat> kind of, in in the great Hollywood tradition, it was a film made on the back of something being successful and everyone running around going, we need one of them. So talk us through why The Omen is a great British horror film. Well, I mean, I, I do agree about what you're saying uh, uh, um, about The Exorcist. Um, I, I just think that, um, first of all, the absolutely freaking incredible Gregory Peck, um, to see him in a horror movie is just fantastic because this guy is one of the greatest actors and um, to see him end up in a horror movie, I think is just wonderful. So <clears throat> I'm, uh, I think that kind of makes um, it, it, it lended some real gravity 
to the film to have such a great, real, you know, not a horror actor in there, just a the absolutely fantastic, fantastic actor in this movie. So that's like a big, big plus for me. Mm. Um, again, with a lot of horror movies, I mean, first of all, it's just this, you know, everyone knows the omen. It's just a beautiful, beautiful story of this, um, you know, the, basically the, 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 the coming of <clears throat> Satan back on earth. And this little kid, and um, who is just um, absolutely astonishing as well. I mean, I, I, it always amazes me. Kids, um, uh, kids in movies are always absolutely astonishing. Um, and um, also, I think the one the, the, there's this one scene in there, and a lot of horror movies for me, I just remember as absolutely incredible scenes. And the most frightening scene that was so shocking to me, and I think it was. It was as shocking as it was frightening. It was when the <clears throat> the nanny um, j- hangs herself out of the window behind everybody. That's a that's a and, wonderful horror moment. Oh my god, that's just such a moment. And again, it was that was that was horrifying, but it was genuinely shocking to the to the point where you know a minute after that had happened, I, I remember just thinking to myself. Why would they put that in a movie? That's so horrible. And that's really, really that moment really, really lived with me. Um, and it was just absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful, horrific moment. And it was, it was poetic. It was visually incredibly dark. Uh, I, I just, uh, honestly, I, I, I absolutely loved that. Um, and so, it's, yeah. And, it, and, yeah it's, and obviously, it's, it, I think it's, I think looking through his, uh, his record, I think it's Richard Donner's, Third feature film. I mean, he's done he's done lots of TV and stuff, but it's yeah. his third feature film. And do, do you think Benny Stretch? Because he's obviously not a man that's that's known for his horror. Then, no, then, not then all, no, of course then not. Then all So no, of course. Do you think Freed, going back to the idea of one leading to the other? Do you think that Friedkin kind of opened the door to um, giving people a free pass at having a go at horror? Because obviously. You know, Carrie's not that far away, is it? And then obviously, you know, by, by nineteen eighty Kubrick's done The Shining. So it's like You could be right. I, I hadn't I honestly hadn't thought of that. Um I, I I've only I thought of it now, so don't don't feel that like I've yeah. just pulled the rug from under you. <laughs> <laughs> you just made it up. No, I it's 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 quite possible. I think there have been some very successful attempts. I mean you've got to remember that that um, Donna went on to make Goonies. Mm. So so yeah. which is also also Link. an amazing horror, horror movie. Um, but actually a great, great movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. I, I think it's great that, 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 um, I, I, sometimes I think horror filmmakers, you just make horror films, just make these genre films and they become very predictable, mm. um, at, at their worst. Um, and I, I like it. I like it when other people dip in. I think the problem when other people, when not non-horror movie makers dip in is sometimes they can jump onto tropes that aren't um, particularly um, well-worn for them, but are probably very well-worn for us. Ah, I see. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that could be a mistake. But then other times, what they're really doing is they're making a great movie that happens to be a horror movie. Mm. And, um, and, and I think with something like The Omen, it stands up as a great movie just as a great movie, like The Exorcist stands up as a great movie, um, not necessarily a horror movie, or there, or there mm. other particular movies that are just, you know, 
they might not be great movies, but they're, they're, they're brilliant. They're fun, entertaining and, and scary horror movies. Mm. And I think that's a slight distinction. Um, and of course, bringing, bringing um, someone like Gregory Peck into, um, it, 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 into horror is just fantastic. I mean, Jesus Christ, he was in To, to Kill a Mockingbird. And you know, it's just insane that, that somebody like that would end up in... And, and, now, and now, and now, we literally, we literally have the ongoing storyline of the Omen in charge of America. I think, don't we? It, 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 yes, it literally happened. What they, what I, they? It's, it's weird. So, so clearly, this is a documentary, not a, a movie. <laughs> now, now, weirdly, and this obviously wasn't something you planned. Uh, well, maybe you did, but you've completely <laughs> leapfrogged the eighties. You've completely <laughs> leapfrogged the nineties. I hate the eighties and nineties. I'm just joking. <laughs> and we've 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 landed just at the start of the twenty first century with two thousand and twos, um, twenty eight days later. So, what what was it about you getting your love affair back with British horror after all them years? <laughs> well, I mean, there are so many there are so many great films in between, but of course. I'm, you know, I'm I'm limited, and I think there's also some from I the eighties and nineties. for effect. Were, Probably, yeah, probably been covered a few times and better by other people. Well, to be fair to, be Twi- fair to you, though, it's, um, and I'll pause you, I won't let you lose your clock time, but to be fair to you, <laughs> there's an argument that in 1976, on one of the podcasts that won in the series, The Ghoul was done by um, by Hammer, one of the last films of the Hammer, and like the fag end of, horror, of Hammer's reign as churning out these horror films, and there wasn't really a decent British horror film until... And obviously, Omen was the, was the same year until eighty yeah. seven's the Hellraiser. But that's that's just the right. Thing. So you know, that's a that's a that's a valid point. I I, I can't make an argument either way. I can't. I, I mean, I can't think my... of anything that happened in the in the in the intervening eleven years. But anyway, let's get back to twenty eight days later because I felt like it was a real shot in the arm. Yes, it was. Um, and I, I I it's really weird. I kind of really loved zombies growing up. Hmm. Um, and then I really fell out of love with them and I just found them ridiculous and silly and boring. Um, because I think pretty much everything had been done with zombies that could have been done. Hmm. That's, that's probably a really dumb statement. That's not true. No, no, but I just think that it was just being, I, I just think zombies were being done the same way and that wasn't interesting to me and they became a little bit more comedy. Um, and then 28 days later turned up. And um, they were genuinely scary zombies. I mean, it was the whole <clears throat> fast. Well, I mean, I, a proper horror people will argue that they're not, not zombies. They're infected, of course. And that's true. But still, it's that genre. And it was it was a real it was a real shot in the arm because um, and it, I think the start of this film is so beautiful because it's it's it obviously pays pays homage to um, uh the day of the triffids tv mm-hmm. series um and it does it beautifully and, and, predict, which is... and predicts brexit <laughs> exactly <laughs> and um there, there's a beautiful I mean, there's so there's so many beautiful touching moments in it like <clears throat> when the guy comes out of the hospital he's walking down the steps um and he just doesn't know what's going on and he starts he finds these like wads of cash you know like thousands of dollars on the floor and he picks them up and because you would, and then he kind of like slowly realizes that 
they're of absolutely no consequence anymore and, and quickly drops them. And it's, it's, there's some, lots of really beautiful non-horror moments in that that are, that are really kind of creepy and odd. And um, I, I just love the way that, that whole beginning of that film worked. And, and uh, also yeah, for me, I think, I, think, I think it kind of, because by 2002, we've kind of got used to not seeing Britain in a cinematic sense on the big screen. Yes. And yeah. Danny Boyle went to town, didn't he? Really, with obviously the, the the scene you've just described is was basically the pre-publicity, wasn't it? It was like the day they shut London down to shoot this scene. Was and very... I, yeah, and I, you're absolutely right. And I do I do believe that they they um, they shot. I, I believe they shot on Canon XL twos for that. Remember, oh, really? I don't know if you oh, remember really? those cameras yeah, yeah, because yeah. they they need that was really early days of kind of video and. Um, I mean, they essentially yeah, had just commuters and nightclubbers who, was, who hadn't gone home about yeah. 20 yards from the cameras going, just fucking yeah. stay there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was done really quickly. And I think they used these cameras because they needed to, to shoot so quickly. Mm. And um, and I thought the effect was absolutely beautiful, the way it looked. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole film is absolutely fantastic. There are some incredibly um, dark moments in it. Um, there's, there's the, 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 I can't remember the, remind me the, can you remember the guy that played the dad in oh, it what the, with what his the, daughter? Uh, the, um, but character, well, well, the other thing is, it's like the journey through, I'll, I'll, I'll look for it now while we're talking, but like the, the, uh, the, the journey through England as well also. Yeah. The idea, yeah. That, yes, there was no hope. There really wasn't. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was absolutely beautiful. And I, I'd loved, um, oh, it's a uh, Brendan Gleeson, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah, he's just fucking amazing guy. He really is a fantastic actor. And there's that moment where he, I think he looks up and there's one of the dead bodies of the, the infected above him and, and the blood drips into his eye. And he's, he clearly knows this is going on. And he's trying to keep his daughter away from him. And then he has to be killed by one of the other guys in front of his daughter. And it was just such a dark moment i mean a really and I, I, it's those moments i just think about the you know the 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 you know the writing of it and when mm. someone's put penning that to paper um i just think about how what's going on in their head because it's just a really beautifully written and it's <clears throat> that that whole relationship is just led up to that moment of time up time up well, there you go. so yeah it's everything's led up to that moment and it's it's just beautifully written beautifully filmed now look let's let's just recap for the for the listener we've had 1965 <laughs> 68 poggles wood a children animated series which was your first your first scare we've got whistle and i will come to you 1968 brackets 2010 we've got uh, the spirit of the dark and lonely water from 73 the omen from 76 and 28 days later from 2002. Do you, I mean, I, it's, for the first time I've done this, I can't spot an obvious thread. Do you feel that there's, a, there's, an, ob <laughs> that there's an obvious thread in, in the five choices you've made? Well, yeah, I, I, actually I do. I think all of them were new ways of being scared. Oh, that's um, interesting. That, that really surprised me. I mean, Poggleswood was the, genuinely the first time I was scared by any media. Mm. Whistle and I'll come to you again very early on in my life, <clears throat> quite young watching it. And the first time I was scared by that kind of ghosty kind of mm. creepy ghost thing. Um, Lonely Water, I, I think po possibly stands out as I don't think I was ever particularly 
like genuinely scared, frightened of that. But it's such a, you know, such an iconic um, uh, piece of piece of media in Britain that everybody, you know, of a certain age knows. And it was genuinely set up to, to frighten kids from doing dumb shit. Mm. Um, so maybe that stands out. The Omen um, and that scene we talked about with the um, uh, the nanny um, hanging herself genuinely was a frightening and a new frightened a new way of being frightened for me and that really shocked me and that was kind of like the whole genuine dark shock within within the fear which i'd never experienced before and then 28 days later again was a a a brand new way of being frightened by zombies and it kick-started some great stuff is there any, um, any of anything you've covered as, as as any of it had a direct influence on you as a filmmaker? Do you feel? Oh, all of it. Oh, absolutely really? All, yeah, absolutely all of it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I you know if I mean obviously there are some non UK films that um, influenced me tremendously as well. But I think if I was going to look at any of those films, if somebody could say which which of those films would you have wanted to make? Of course, I think The Omen. Mm. I, I would love to have written and directed that movie um, because I just think it's for me it's one of the most perfect of the time horror movies mm. um, I think it's just a wonderful piece of art, I love it I mean and, and, it's, and um, it's wonderful that, that something that was made with such a calculated eye on cashing in turned out to be great yeah. You know, it's a bit and it like, did, yeah exactly it did, it, did. it turned out to be fantastic it's a bit like um, the Wicker Man going out as Don't Look Now's B movie you know, right. like, like, like you're just throwing it out there. And then thankfully over time, it, it, it found its own identity. But, you know, it was, yeah. just, it was just a partner for Don't Look Now for a while, you know? Yes. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if there's a thread, it's just, you know, genuinely steps, uh, step ups for me being frightened personally. Mm. No, that makes so, sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a list of five very, very personal things. Um, no, and that's what which, this show is um, all about, yeah. really, Math. So I think you've captured it. You captured the mood perfectly well. So, I hope so. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much, Math Lewis of I Speak Machine on Lex Records, uh, for lending <laughs> us your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much indeed, Stuart. I, I thank you. The Britflix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. Stop. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.